This is the Art of Living Well Radio Network. Radio to inspire enlightened living. You're listening now to the Honest to God series with Anne Gail Rose and Ahanu. Well, this is another great day and we're back in the saddle, as they say, after our long trip up to Mankato, Minnesota last weekend, which was very, very tiring, but absolutely wonderful time. Usually you would hear the voice of Angel Rose commenting on the weather, but unfortunately she is under the weather today. She really is not well, throat, chest, that kind of thing. So she has me holding the helm today. And we are speaking about conscious awareness. And we're going to have a wonderful guest on our show today, Donna Schmidt. And Donna Schmidt is a master NLP speaker, trainer and coach. And she also hosts her own radio show at the Gateway for Change. And her work revolves around teaching people how to speak with conscious awareness, clearing the past using NLP, stepping fully into being who I am, or as she calls it, my authentic self. But unfortunately, Angel Rose can't be her authentic self today, and she can't in be the one to speak with conscious awareness. She really is so choked up. Can you even get one word out of her, Angel Rose? Welcome, everybody. That's it. Wow, did you hear that? She actually said, welcome, everybody. It was a bit choked, but she got it out there, and she was very sincere and authentic about it. So, we have one hour today to discuss this wonderful subject about speaking with conscious awareness. And let me do the little bit of introduction to our wonderful guest today, Donna Schmidt. But before I do, and when we speak about uh, being able to speak, it was Cochise, the Apache leader, who said, Speak straight so your words go like sunlight into our hearts. Well now, Donna Schmidt, after a third near-death experience in the early 20s, Donna was shown how to lead an authentic spiritual life. She spent many years struggling to break free from the illusion of being just physical and learned the importance of allowing her spiritual self to emerge. Her acceptance of her purpose to share her transformation guides other spiritually minded women and men as they begin their own personal journeys. This is all very relevant for us today. The authentic spiritual path is a transformation process that is designed for those that have awakened to the realization that there is something more to their life than what they're currently living. It is this inner burning passion that yearns for the awakening of the spirit in flesh. Through workshops, training and individualized coaching, Donna is an excellent guide to assist you as you awaken and begin aligning your spiritual self with every aspect of your physical world. Now, that has been the case indeed in our recent experience up in Mankato. We were realizing how many people were earnestly yearning to be on that spiritual path, to break out of the 3D illusion and to find what markers or guides might be there that would so that they could take the first step. Now, Donna holds current licensing as a massage therapist for the state of Oregon and is credentialed as a nationally certified medical massage therapist. She has owned and operated a successful clinic in the Rogue Valley since 1999, 
The Rogue Valley. That's the first time I've ever heard of that. The Rogue Valley. Hmm. Interesting sounding place. Some of her training that was spirit guided resulted in shamanic initiation into the fourth level priesthood in the Peruvian shamanic traditions. Reiki master, fourth degree therapeutic touch, as well as her natural birth gifts as a clairsentient medium and empath. Wow, what credentials this lady has. The path to authenticity is a path less traveled and it's less traveled for a reason. It takes courage to walk to the beat of a different drum. Don't we know all about that? Sometimes the trek is lonely because very few will understand why you don't walk the well-trodden path like everyone else. But this I know, I have a choice to be who I am or be who I think others expect me to be. And I choose to be my authentic spiritual self. What an introduction is that? Let's get Donna Smith on the line right away without further ado. Donna, are you there? I am here. <laughs> I wow. am here. Can you hear me? You are so well qualified. It's absolutely wonderful to hear your voice and to be in the company of one who is so well trained and he's so experienced. Well, Anu, I have to tell you that I'm really flattered because as you're reading, I I thought, wow, that's who is that person? <laughs> so that was a very nice introduction. I appreciate that. Oh, you're very very welcome. Now you did hear me mentioning about Angel Rose. She is beside me, but. You know, she can hardly get a word out. Her throat is all choked up and her chest is she it has pains and so on. But she does wish you the absolute best and she admires the work that you do. Well, thank you very much. And I can feel that. I can sense that. I hope she feels better. Yeah. Now, one of the things that is very close to our hearts is speaking with conscious awareness. It has been our path for a long number of years. And primarily, of course, your core issue is about the that authentic self. Can you tell us a little bit of background, Donna, about where you arrived at, at this this mission that you're on? Oh, wow. You know, I, when I think about that, think about your question, I think about my childhood. It goes all the way back to then to where I can first remember. And the interesting thing about that is that early on, I... I knew when people were not being authentic. But, but as a child, I remember being in the accompaniment maybe of adults, and I listened to them speak, and what I recognized was what they were saying and how they were saying it did not resonate with me. And I used to kind of tap on my, my mother's shoulder and whisper in her ear and tell them that she wasn't speaking the truth. Wow. And... And not to say that they were lying, I don't want to misconstrue that, but they were not speaking from a place of authenticity. So they were speaking from a place of maybe their belief systems or something that somebody else had told them. So they're speaking um, beliefs that other people held, but they really didn't hold it. And I grew to understand that as time went on and, and through my childhood and through going to school, it continued in that manner. And it was frightening to me at times because I would find myself in really precarious situations where I didn't know what to do. And when I talked to my mom about it, I believe my mom was being incredibly psychic, and she would say to me, uh, don't tell anybody, don't say anything, because they'll think you're crazy. And so I, I kind of grew up thinking that in some respects I was crazy to a yes. certain degree, but at least I had my mother to relate to. And 
And as I got older in my teens, I, I learned and, and kind of adapted to it and thought, well, it, it's a game. And I'm the only one that's awake, and I'm the only one that knows it's a game. So either I play the game and I survive, or I step out and then I'll, I'll, be, I'll be a target for attack. And so I chose, I chose to step back okay. and lead my life in that way. And it wasn't until my early 20s when I had my near-death experience when that all shifted. Now, let's leave the near-death experiences for a few minutes because that's a deep subject and we really do want to explore it. But I want to ask you about the, the cultural influence in recognizing what you recognize as not being authentic. And I, let me explain where I'm coming from. Me being full-blooded Irish, it is in our tradition and in our culture to speak with eloquence. Now, <laughs> some people might regard that as bullshit. Some people might regard it as being, you know, flowery language. Other people might regard it as being not authentic. Can you, well, here's where I'm coming from with this. When I arrived in the United yeah. States first, and I'm talking a good long number of years ago, I was actually startled by how direct people were by comparison to my upbringing. And in, in the United States, people were just shooting from the hip. You know, they told you you looked like shit if you looked like shit. Whereas you wouldn't, you wouldn't experience that in Ireland. People might make a gentle inference to how you looked. Do you understand the difference? And yeah, is I that do. what you're talking about when you talk about being your authentic self? No, no. Okay. Because in both those situations, I knew that is authentic. It's just the style and your personality of how you're expressing it. But right. it is authentic. Right. Okay, so so you can be authentic and be gentle with somebody's ego at the same time. Yes, yes. Okay. And sometimes you need to be direct. Sometimes you need to just uh, say it like it is. And right. then there's times when no, you do you need a gentle edge about it. Yes. Okay, I get you. All right. So so when you when you were aware of this this thing as a child that somebody wasn't being authentic. You're not talking about that cultural awareness then. You're, you're talking about somebody who is actually saying one thing and meaning another. It, am I right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. One of the classic terms is maybe talking out both sides of your mouth. Um, you're saying one thing, but actually you believe something different. And I know a lot of this is very unconscious. So it's not that they're consciously being dishonest or untruthful. It is a deep unconscious level where um, they're pulling this from. And it's, it resonates energetically. And that's the vibration that I was picking up. And a lot of people um, can feel this. For instance, if you're listening to someone talk and the, the subject matter is very interesting, yeah, but there's something about it. You can't put your finger on it. There's something about it that just doesn't feel right, and you're not sure what it is. And it's because that person maybe wholeheartedly does not entirely believe in what they're saying. And now, so there's a disconnection with it. Is, is that the same thing as somebody saying something that they believe is right, but it may be blatantly wrong? In other words, you know, we've heard countless preachers, let's say, 
speak about something, they genuinely believe it to be correct. But we know from our own experience and our own awareness that it is totally, total fallacy. Is that the same thing? <laughs> no, these are, very, these are great questions, but no, it's not the same thing. Because um, they believe it. They believe it wholeheartedly. And so that is their truth that they believe that they are speaking from. But yeah, that they are being authentic in their particular belief systems and where they are in their own soul development. Now, what you might be experiencing is the fact that it doesn't resonate with you. You know, those, those belief systems are, you don't not hold them yourself. And that's okay. That's perfectly okay. But they are still being their authentic self. I get you. I get you. So when, when Cochise said, speak straight so your words go like sunlight into our hearts, that's the distinguishing feature. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Can you give us so some examples could, of that, Donna? I, I could, if I could just have a second to just open it up just a little bit more. It is an understanding that I am a spiritual being having a human experience. And as a spiritual being, I'm, I am omnipotent. I am everlasting. Um, so I am drawing from not only my own soul growth and development, but also that of my teachers and my guides that are, that surround me, that are here with me, my soul group. And, and that energy is what I draw from to speak. So I choose my words carefully. I choose them with intention, and I choose them with purpose. And that's what Cochise is saying, is, is when you draw that, then those words that you use have a energetic quality to them and they do appear it they appear it and maybe it's not so much it's not so much the words and it's not so much the content but it is what's behind the words the mm. value behind the words so people will hear that and they'll resonate with it and and it will open them in a section of their soul their spirit opens to receive mm -hmm. Now, do you think that your awareness of this as a child, your awareness of people being authentic or not, do you think that's what's moved you towards your, your path in life now as a massage therapist and a, 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 a shamanic teacher and a Reiki master and all of that? <laughs> uh, what moved that was my stubbornness. <laughs> And, I, and and that's how the, the near-death experience occurred, because of the stubbornness. I just decided I'm done. I, I don't want to be here. Um, you can take me anytime you want to. I changed my mind. Um, it's too hard, and, and let somebody else do it. <laughs> that was my that was my thought in, in that period of time. And I had actually become really disillusioned with religion. I was disillusioned with God. Um, I actually hated God. I didn't, I, you know, at that that entity had had um, abandoned me into this field of, of sparseness, and I was really angry. So what happened with that in that transitional moment, it was a, a pebble, if you will, and a stepping stone towards towards what I am today. And I'm still on that road on you. That, that, you know, my path is not complete, but I'm on it. Mm -hmm. And it was a process to open me back up because I was furious. I really 
each time. I didn't want to do this. And um, I, it'll become a little bit more clear when you do talk about the near-death experience. But it, the point is, is that I, they had to take me. And when I say they, I'm talking about my spiritual group. They had to take me very gently, very carefully, because I could tell you, if you would have told me 20 years ago that I was going to be a massage therapist, I would have just flat out told you, you were crazy. There was no way I'm going to do something right. like that. That doesn't even interest me. So this had to be brought to me in very small increments in order for me to keep moving on that path. Otherwise, I would. they all knew I would have thrown my hands up again and said, no way, I'm not doing it. Yes. Now, you, you talk about the path to authenticity. And you said that it's a path less traveled, and it's it takes courage to walk that path or to walk to the beat of a different drum. Now, do you think that that is might go some way to explaining why some people feel so alienated with the way the world is today, or indeed might be some idea as to why people take their lives this this, this disillusionment and this being furious with God and so on. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. I, it, uh, initially, it's, it's difficult. And so when we, when we tend to, as we operate as humans, it, it's difficult. We tend to want to shy away from it. We don't want to be uncomfortable. We don't want to experience emotions that are less than excitement and joy and love. And so we move away from that. And, and that is actually... Those vibrations are, are really the key that helps you to, to unlock what it is that you need to do to begin the path, to begin that path back to, you know, um, to God if you want to. I mean, it, it, that, that you can call it whatever you want. I mean, um, but that's really what we're wanting to do is to open that door so that we can go back to um, our creator, our source. And mm -hmm. we want to reconnect with that because we sense the disconnection. Yes, yes. Now, many months ago, we had a gentleman on the show here, just like you, but he had four near-death experiences. Now, we haven't had any, so we really don't know what we're talking about. But I have to say that I'm enthralled by the possibility. I'm enthralled by the, the concept of it. And all of the time, of course, we hear that when somebody comes back from an experience like that, their lives has utterly, utterly changed. Can you describe for us your near-death experiences and what happened? Sure. I was, um, it, it was in my, now I, I have to say that the first two that we're talking about, I don't have a conscious awareness of it because I was at six months old and then it was again at nine months old. So I was just a baby, but it just gives you an idea that I did not want to be here. It was too difficult and I was already wanting to return. Right, yes. And I had developed pneumonia as a baby and even had my last rites. I mean, I was on my deathbed and, and I was making those decisions to leave. Mm. And if I can't tell you from a conscious perspective what went on, but when I had, at 20, I can. And that was with the birth of my first child. And, um, uh, she was a very large baby. She was 9 pounds, 10 ounces, and, and I had a very thin frame at the time. And I remember the doctor saying at that time, you know, you're going to have a, you're going to have a difficult delivery. And when you tell somebody that, that is not consciously awake, they internalize that. And so they'll, they'll prophesize it. It'll become true. Mm -hmm. They'll have a difficult delivery. So needless to say, I did. And, um, I was three weeks overdue, and I think the, the obstacle 
nutrition sponsors were pretty much just tired of me coming in all the time and nothing was really happening. So they induced labor within me, and um, at one point, the baby had turned, and they knew that she was going to be face up, and they knew that she, either they were going to have to give me a cesarean, or they would have to turn her. And now, mind you, you know, a woman in labor, in, in any woman that has gone through labor in the throes of the last stages of labor, you are so within yourself with what's going on that the, the voices outside of you are present, but it's, it, um, you don't necessarily register it right away. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a very real moment. And I, and I remember this, the doctor saying to my husband at the time, we don't have enough time to set up a cesarean crew, and I don't think we're going to be able to have her deliver like we would like her to, so there's a possibility, a strong possibility that we're going to lose them both. And I remember my husband saying, save my wife. Wow. And in that instant, instant, any mother I'm sure would understand that in that instant, I made the decision to save the baby. I said, Save the baby, save me. And uh, that was it. And mm. in that part, I remember, um, because they had to turn her, and, and not to go into graphic details, but they, they literally ripped me in, in the process, and I was bleeding to death is what was happening. And I, I remember losing consciousness, and I, you know, I remember the light, I remember going into the light, and yet, and, and when I came back, and I'm leaving a big gap there, but when I came back, I remember coming from the ceiling down, and when I hit my body, it was, oh, I could explain it as if you were jumping off a cliff, yes. and you hit, you know, the bottom. It was just, it was a drastic hit, and the heaviness and weight of my body, the pain that I felt was excruciating, and all of those feelings and emotions returned of, Oh, I don't want to be here. And I, and the anger, you know, came back and the mm. frustration. And then, um, I realized that I was, I was in the delivery room and I was very disoriented because I had come from this place of incredible beauty and incredible peace. And now I'm back in this, in this world that I didn't want to be in in the first place. Yeah. And, um, I, I remember them telling me that, you know, it's okay. You're all right. It's fine. And then I passed out again. And when I, well, woke the next morning, there was this indescribable peace and tranquility that was like a blanket over me. And I knew, and I couldn't at that time tell you how I knew, but I knew that everything was going to be okay. And it didn't matter to me how I knew that or why I knew that, but I knew it, and, and I knew it as well as I know my name. That, you know, there's... Yes. So the next morning... Um, there was a, a team of doctors that came in and surrounded my bed, and they uh, told me that they had bad news for me. And they told me that um, they thought that my my baby had suffered brain damage because of the, the delivery. And they were telling me, you know, well, their thoughts as physicians. And I knew in my heart that that wasn't true. Mm. And I knew that she was fine. And I, I told them that. And of course they looked at me and thought, well, you know, you're probably still sedated and under some medication and maybe we should come back later when you're a little bit more coherent. 
and you understand the depth of what we're telling you. <laughs> I said, no, I get it. I understand, but she's okay. And and they left the room shaking their heads, and uh, they had called in a specialist. The specialist came in, and he was a wonderful, wonderful physician. He sat on my bed and he said, you know what? There's nothing wrong with your daughter. I just think the way she was delivered and they yanked on her and they did some things. I think she just, you know, got a sore neck. That's about it. He said, so he gave me some exercises for her and he said, you know, while you're feeding her, just do these things and she should be fine. He said, and if she's not, you don't see her better in two weeks. He said, just give me a call and I'll take a look at her. And I said, okay. And she was fine. She was absolutely fine. So from that point on, I did not know the severity of what I had experienced experience until about maybe six, seven years later, I happened to be at a friend's house in a cabin up in Big Bear, California, and um, I, I picked up a book that was laying on the counter, and it happened to be a book written by Raymond T. Moody, uh, I believe it was uh, Life After Life, and I was thumbing through it, and I knew nothing about near-death experiences at that time. It wasn't uh, a topic of conversation. And I started reading the book, and all of a sudden I thought, oh, oh my God, I instantly knew. My, my body was on fire. It was lit up. Every nerve was tingling, and I thought, whoa, what's going on? And I realized oh, it was just a memory that was flooding back to me that, oh, my God, I experienced this. I know exactly what these people are talking about as far as the tunnel, the light, the feelings associated with it. It, it was overwhelming for me because I hadn't I hadn't actually thought about that until that very moment and mm. and I I was shaken I, I was in trauma actually and you, tell us what you think is the purpose of coming into a body if it's all so painful I mean it's been our experience in speaking with many many people who had near-death experience that that's the most difficult part it's like it, it seems to be so painful coming back into the physical body. Why would that? What's the purpose of being in a body if it's such a painful thing? Well, painful in that when you're in a place that is, oh, the vibration is so uh, light and it's everything is so filled with love it's, and, and joy that to lose that intensity of that vibration, and it it gets denser and denser and denser, and then the denseness in the body, and that's the painful part that I speak of is not a physical pain; it's the pain of being separated again. It's that pain of oh, I I I am I am so far away from that um, from that spiritual aspect of myself. It, I'm, it's like the spirit is, is held within this vessel. And that was my interpretation of it. That was my, my specific interpretation. So it's not that someone else might experience something different. But at that moment, I was not happy about being returned to that, mm-hmm. to that prison. To me, it was a prison. I didn't like it. Um, right. I, I wanted to go back. Okay. Hold that thought there, Donna. We're going to take a very, very quick studio break here and we'll be right back after this this is the art of living well radio network radio to inspire enlightened living 
the Honest to God series with Anne Gail Rose and Ahanu. You're very welcome back. This is Ahanu. Unfortunately, Anne Gail Rose is under the weather today and she is beside me but is not able to speak. She she speaks with conscious awareness and her authentic self is underneath it indeed but unfortunately she can't hear her but to remind our listeners we are speaking with donna schmidt and her website is the gateway for change and that four is a four the gateway for change.com and donna schmidt is a master nlp speaker trainer and coach and she has her own radio show at the Gateway for Change. And we're speaking to her today about conscious awareness, speaking with conscious awareness, and stepping fully into the authentic self. Donna, welcome back. Tell us, what do you think that those experiences that you've had with the near-death experience, is that what moved you towards doing your work with conscious awareness and the spiritual work that you're doing today? Is that the catalyst? It was a catalyst to get me back on track, but it wasn't it wasn't the piece that that was set me up for it. That I believe that was my contract. That is what I came here to do. That was what I agreed to do. Um, and it was when I got here that I changed my mind. I, I knew it would be difficult, and I, and I just flat out changed my mind. But I thank goodness that I have a good soul group that uh, <laughs> assisted and and got me back on track. So yeah. Right, but but the definitely the near death experience was was the door that opened it up and said because that was my choice that's the whole thing so I know that I chose to come back and do it and in that choosing I'm going to get it done because I'll tell you why I don't have to come back if I get it done <laughs> so that is the driving force for me it's like I don't have to come back I'm good yes 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 so that that's why I'm doing it that's that's the biggest drive for me okay. So in, in terms of getting done what you need to get done so that you don't have to come back, are you clear about what that is? And is it something, is it the same for everybody? No, I don't think it's the same for everybody, but I am I'm clear on it I mean, at this point in time, and I know that it is even becoming even more clear as I am in a state of allowance. Um, my stubbornness, you know, at times is still here. Um, but... Am I on the path? Am I am I doing my purpose? Absolutely. I I sense that and feel that beyond anything else. And it, uh, the time for me is now. I'm I'm helping a tremendous amount of people to understand that it's the importance of being themselves, of really opening up and and completing their own contracts that they came here to, and living because living life in this manner is so rewarding. It is so fulfilling. And that's what people are looking for, is the more purpose in their life and to have more meaning. And and to know that they are their their spirit is fulfilled. Because if their spirit is fulfilled in the work that they're doing, they lose that out in every aspect. And that's being authentic. It's not necessarily the words. It's not necessarily the action. It's just being that spiritual aspect of yourself and everything that you do, it comes out and it's a part of you. Okay. Now, the the physical experience that you had of going to the light, so many people have reported the same thing. Is it always the same for people? Or no, would, it's would not. people that's, find that's that an they. Awesome question. Yeah. Tell I us about that. I actually have only come close to 
to one other person, and I just heard this gal speak. She wrote a book, um, I think I tell you the exact name of the book she wrote, but it's about her brother. And her, after her brother passed away, her brother came to her and spoke to her and is, is talking to her about the other side. And what he was saying to her, she wrote in book, and as I'm listening to her speak, I'm thinking, I've been, I know where he's been. I understand where, where he's coming from. Because even here on you, um, it is, it is a representation of what the spiritual world is like and the different variations of energy of people and events is the same. So when I read a lot of near-death experiences, the, the common denominator that I hear is the tunnel, the white light in the tunnel, you go through a tunnel and you come back in the tunnel. That is common. I and that I did experience. But what after that is not the same and, and I went to a place, and the only other time I've been to this place is in a meditation, a very deep, deep meditation that I had gotten into, where I was in a place of all-knowingness. Um, it, it wasn't a place like I can describe to you that had, oh, beautiful big white buildings and, you know, green lawn. It was, I was in a place where I knew everything. So I could ask anything, and instantaneously I knew the answer. And it was at a point that I didn't need to ask because I knew. So there was almost like no thought. And the the quality of the energy that was present, all-knowing, all-loving, I knew then that I was in a vibration of God. And so what I took back with me was that God is not this omnipotent being, this one being, this it, whether it be male, female. It is in everything. It is the essence of everything. It is not a separate entity that in, in religious dogma we're taught to believe. It is in everything. And so when I am in the presence of that energy, it is amazing. And I sense it the most during a birth of a child or the death of someone. And when I'm in the accompaniment of that person as they're making the transition either in or out, I am back in that energy, and I can tell you that it literally brings me to my knees uh, because it is the most powerful experience to be, um, it's like you don't know you have a physical body. You are back in that and, and one with all. It is, that's the best I can explain mm. it. I, you know, it's not something that I can pick words from my conscious brain to, to share that with, but it sure. is different for, for each person. It is different, yeah. Yes. Now, your your authenticity is very real and palpable and evident when you describe all of that. Can you give us some pointers or what are some of the difficulties that people have when they're trying to be authentic? Oh, that's really varied. I, I, I think I can maybe put it in a nutshell with a couple of things. It's based on our, our belief systems that we've learned here. Um, it could be past life experiences that we're bringing in. Um, it's um, the thing that you can you can look for is common patterns. And I'll give you an example. Sometimes the clients will say to me, if they're having relationship issues, they'll say, oh, I keep 
managing to find the same type of guy over and over. I'm meeting these guys who are, end up being very nice when I first meet them, and then, you know, as the relationship goes on, all of a sudden they become really crazy and, and, and maybe uh, physical or maybe mental abuse. That's a pattern, and that pattern is because the lesson has not been learned. So we come here with our contracts and with things that we've decided as a spirit, as a soul, to evolve our soul. And if you are noticing these patterns, it's because that is a soul growth for you. And as soon as you touch that soul growth and work through that, it is eliminated. It's done. It's transformed. You don't have to do it again. That's the beauty of it. That's what kind of gets you on the path in the first place. Mm -hmm. Now, in, in the past, we've used psychologists and counselors and People could be in therapy for years, just hashing the issue over and over again. I've actually learned uh, a process called timeline therapy. And in timeline therapy, to me, I can equate it to 21st century shamanism. And the shamans, you know, in the tribe, if a person was experiencing um, any kind of trouble, whether it be mental, emotional, physical, they would go to the shaman. That was, that was the revered wise man uh, or wise woman of, of the tribe. And the shaman would do a thing called journeying because a lot of times if you have an aspect where you've had an, uh, an event in your life, maybe past life, where it was, you were traumatized, the soul was traumatized in some way, that the shaman, there was a separation from, from the soul. And you can't move on unless your soul is whole. So the shaman would go and journey, maybe in the past, you know, wherever, find this piece of the soul and convince it that it needs to come back. It needs to learn a lesson. It needs to come back for the for the total growth of the soul. And it comes back and they blow it into the body and then the person is, is whole with that piece of it. Or in timeline therapy, um, it is you that actually experiences where you go back. And, and I take you back. You experience it as incredibly pow powerful. But as a as an instance, if you have maybe this, we'll take this one person again with the pattern, and if we this person has a belief you know a belief system or something has occurred to them in their past where they need to find the lesson in this event, and we ask the subconscious mind which is connected to all that we are that is our soul that is that is also our spirit, and that leads us on a timeline period back to the first event when it occurred. And in that event is the key part. You don't have to re-experience it again. All you have to do is look at the event and what is what is the lesson that you missed? And the lesson comes instantaneously because you're not living it again. You're looking at it from a different perspective, a higher perspective. And once you get the lesson, it completely dissolves that okay. is. That's now, the thing you don't have the memory still of it, but just the event is dissolved. Yes. So, when somebody is being authentic, can can they tell themselves, like, is there some kind of a trigger mechanism inside somebody where they know they're being their authentic self? Well, that's a good question. <laughs> hmm. Do you know what I mean? I, would, is, is, I, would have, I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. I, I would have to say that it, it's a, it's, 
kind of a fundamental learning process where you have to be very much aware of your senses because that's how we take in information is through our senses, whether it's visual right. sense or eyes or auditory or ears or kinesthetics or touch um, or even our sixth sense, which we kind of relate to as our gut feeling. And if we begin to allow ourselves to experience those senses again and pay attention to them, then that is the first step towards awareness, which is the first key step into moving yourself into authenticity because as you're speaking, how are you feeling? Right. How are you yeah. feeling about that? You know, are you in alignment with it? You know, um, and sometimes, you know, even I will say something and I'll think, ah, oh, that's not quite how uh, the vibration that I want to send out. And I'll correct myself and say, well, that, you know, let me change the way I said that. That's not exactly how I, uh, I want to say that. Or let me rephrase that. Because I'll catch myself. Okay. And then, um, let me let me uh, let me w w go into a, another d difficult area that uh, especially men are afraid to go into, and that is being open and honest and feel deeply. Now, just bear with me a second. It's not that men don't feel deeply. See, I think there's a great illusion out there that men don't feel anything. There are these macho beings that just don't have feelings. That is not the case. But the difficulty, of course, is to be able to bring them out and be honest with about them and talk about them and feel them openly or cry openly. Now, do you think there is an element of not being authentic in men because of that programming? No, actually not. And I'll, I'll tell you why. Because, again, when we take information in, we take it into all of our senses, not just our kinesthetic feeling sense. And there are some men in general, and, it, you know, this is the way their, their human brain is hardwired. But they take information in through their either vision, or then it can be sometimes more visual or more auditory. And so if you begin to speak to them in that vibration, you will learn a whole lot. They will be able to express themselves authentically from that aspect. It doesn't always have to be through the feeling. Right. Okay. So they're still authentic, yeah. Yeah, I understand. Now, the, the, we mentioned about the Rogue Valley when we first introduced you, and uh, that piqued my interest about what, what that is. And that's, that was part of your move to Oregon. Can you tell us a little bit about the Rogue Valley, what it is, where it is, and why it got that name? <laughs> a little history about the area. The Rogue Valley is uh, actually... Uh, <laughs> where the Rogue River is in southern Oregon. And so it's considered the Rogue Valley. So we're talking southern Oregon, where the, the, the Rogue River is very prominent. And um, it, it came from the Rogue Indians. So it was a, obviously uh, named after them because this area was was settled uh, uh, by the original Rogue, Rogue Band of Indians. So yeah. I suspected we also have that. Yeah. So a lot of heritage here as far as that goes, and I think that is part of my personal draw to this area. In fact, after I moved here is when I began to really look at the Native American traditions, and they fascinated me. And I resonated with um, the teachings that was very close to, I could see the resemblance between my Catholic faith 
Um, they said tomato, we said tomato, but, you know, baptism was the same, and the ceremony of death, and the ceremony of marriage, that was all very much traditional for Native Americans. So I resonated with that very much so. And then, of course, later on, I grew to understand that that is my soul group. I have a lot of Native Americans in my soul group, and I also have a plenty of past life as a Native American, so that, that all just came into fruition for me. Right. Now, do you, there seems to be a huge gap in time and in learning and in awareness between the Native American teachings and, let's say, what you practice now in terms of NLP, neuro-linguistic programming, or is there any gap or division at all? Can you, can you explain how the modern way of approaching past life issues and understanding and brain programming and all of that, how it may be different to Native American teachings, if there is a difference at all? Uh, I actually, I don't see a difference. Uh, I, I, I think we live in a wonderful time where it depends upon who you are and, and what you need. You, there's all these resources out. So I, I think it's a conglomeration of resources for people. And that is part of my path is to be the bridge. And so for me, uh, you know, I could do readings. I could do psychic readings. I could do some channeling, but that is, that's not where I resonate at. I resonate in using that energy and using that, those gifts so that I could speak to professionals, so that I could speak to people that, you know, are not interested in your show, Anu, are not interested in, in learning about um, psychic development and, and spiritual things. They're, they're very much into their own personal dogma, and I'm the bridge. I come in and I bring that in. And I give that to them in the language that they can understand so that they too can be authentic and open up and be, be on their path, whatever that might be. And yet, um, we can all, we can all rise with them. I hope I answered your question. Okay. All right. Now, <laughs> you, you, you have a wonderful website called the, uh, Gateway for Change, Gateway and the number four change. Do you want to, give your telephone number or an email address or any way, other way that people can contact you? Sure. Um, it, my, my website is www.the. Please make sure you put the in front because if you don't, you'll get to a completely other website. The Gateway, the number four, change.com. And it's there. I have my radio station is there if you'd like to listen in to any past shows or some future shows. In fact, um, a week from in two weeks, I'm going to be having uh, sh my shamanic mentor is actually going to be coming on in Fuller, and she, there, she's going to do a show about shamanism and soul retrieval, so you get an idea about that. And then my phone number is there. It's very code 541-476-1662. There's some co coaching packages there if you, if you want um, to learn a little bit more about how I work with people on a one-to-one -one basis. That information is available, as well as Facebook and the usual Twitter and, you know, everything else that you possibly think of is on that site. Okay. And speaking about NLP and, and how you practice it, is, is NLP something that a person can contact you on a one-off and get benefit from it, or is it a program? Is it a series of things that they must learn and do? Uh, 
Good question. You can do both. Actually, people want to do uh, take NLP classes for their own self-development. Um, there's some great... I can actually assist you in finding a great teacher in your area that does that. I don't teach those principles myself. I live them and I use those principles in the work that I do so that people can understand that I'm working from the human being as well as connecting it to the spiritual being because that is that is part of my path. So um, uh, um, I use those principles. Okay. Now you, your, your logo says Pathways to Authenticity awakening the master teacher within and you've spoken several times about the path and the pathways this path obviously is what you are here to do now because you're fully engaged with it you're very authentic about it do you believe in a past life that you did the same thing or that this was this is an ongoing part of the bigger the bigger path you're on I, I would have to say yes to both. Um, yes, I've done this in the past. Past, I have been unsuccessful um, in the past with it, and so that this is the big drive for me to be successful with it in, in this lifetime. And um, yeah, it is my path. It is who I am, and it is what I'm commissioned to do, and I've been asked to do, and I've agreed to do. Yes, it's a it's it's a huge task. It's a huge undertaking. Yes. And when you say awakening the master teacher within, do you believe that everybody has a master teacher within and that you're facilitating that? Yes. Absolutely. Yes. That is your authentic self. That is your true spiritual self. And once you awaken that and you bring, you fully embody that knowledge of, of who you really are, then you begin to operate as a spiritual being living in this human existence. And you, you're you coming from a different place. You're not coming from the brain because all, all you've learned in this lifetime is from birth on, and that's it. But when you start operating from the heart where your connection to your spiritual self is, then you're living from the vast knowledge of, of everything. You can begin to tap into and connect with everything. And that is that is your master teacher. That's that, that is your connection to all. Why not learn from from the teacher yourself? Right. Now that's a very interesting concept to to wrap our heads around because in the past and on Earth and on in the way that governments and people have learned in the past is that there would be one or several leaders or authority figures and the rest must follow. So you've one teacher or guru figure and the rest are all students. Whereas you're proposing that we all become master teachers. Is, am I correct in interpreting what you're saying in that way? Oh, yes. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because so, the, guru, the guru speaks from the mind, the human mind. That is the ego, the guru. Right. I know it all. Follow me. My word is. And I can tell you, I mean, I do not know it all. I am not in a position to know it all. Uh, as a right. spirit, I do. Yeah. But then to, to bring that energy down, you know, it's coming down from levels and levels and levels, and it gets uh, convoluted. It, it gets distorted into my being. So that's something that if you begin to work on yourself, 
you're cleaning out the distortion and any beliefs that don't serve you. And when you begin to do that, you you are seeing from different eyes. You, you are sensing, um, hearing from different ears because you'll be able to decipher what is it for you, what is it not. And okay. then you'll, you know. And it's a knowing. It's an incredible knowing. Tell us, Donna, in your teaching work today, and when you teach people to speak with conscious awareness, is is that something that they must become consciously aware of all of the time, or is it something that once they once they know of it, or once you've taught them, then it's it's in their nature, it's natural. Do you understand? Is it an effort, in other words, to be authentic all of the time? In the beginning, yes, it is an effort, yes. Um, does it get easier at that? Yes. Uh, it, I'll, I can give you an analogy to riding a bicycle. When we first ride a bicycle, we are thinking about it all the time. Where do I put my feet? You know, am I balanced? And there's this, you're totally involved in it, in that whole process. And then after a while, you don't even have to think, consciously think about it. Um, as soon as you put your hands on the handlebar or you swing your leg over to get on the seat, everything becomes in motion. So it's the same as if um, you're, you begin to meditate to get closer to understanding that aspect of yourself, that connection. And then when you're not in meditation, you begin to keep that groove, if you will. It, it stays with you so that you want to be in that state all the time. And when you're flipping away from it, so things might, if you get angry or if you, any kind of, you know, negative emotion that you experience, that that's your signaling to let you know that it's not correct, it's not resonating with you. Something is amiss. And you begin to listen to that and go, okay, I'm stopping here. Something's not right. I'm if you want to say I'm not on my path or I, uh, something is letting me know that I've fallen off my path or I'm not being authentic, and you begin to, to listen to those signs because it feels good to be yourself. Think about the times when you were yourself. It feels good. It feels good to have a great conversation with somebody where you connect and you, you feel free to express yourself in any way, shape, or form that you're well-received. This is being authentic. And when you're in that place, you want to go back to it. You don't, it's something you strive for because it feels good. And, and I know I say that as a feeling emotion, but it's like all of your senses are alive. All mm. of you become alive. Now, we have been speaking with Donna Schmidt today from the thegatewayforchange.com. You have a wonderful saying in terms of a summary, in every moment you have a choice to be who you truly are or be who you think you're supposed to be. Do you want to give us a little closing summary, Donna, please? Because unfortunately we've just got a short few minutes left and uh, just summarize your, your whole purpose and your whole path to authenticity. My purpose is to actually help people heal the body, mind, emotions, and spirit, so that they can be one. And that's the purpose of being on the authentic path, is being whole, being complete. Because when you are, then your life 
is life and you begin to live from that place and everything that you do, everything that you say, everything you see or hear becomes uh, that master within you. Okay, wow. Now, by way of a little further summary, we've been speaking about near-death experiences today with Donna Schmidt. We spoke about her transformational move to Oregon and the Rogue Valley and how she began her work. We spoke about the connection with the Native American teachings, the energy work that she does, and the NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, clearing the past and stepping fully into being who you are, your authentic self. And we, we also spoke about conscious awareness in everything that you do. We gave some wonderful quotations from Donna Schmidt. She said, in every moment you have a choice to be who you truly are or be who you think you're supposed to be. Donna, we have to wind down there. We truly appreciate you coming on the show today. You were absolutely wonderful and an enormous benefit to our guests and indeed ourselves as we endeavor all the time to stay and grow in that pathway to authenticity. And your work in awakening the master teacher within is to be recommended. Do give out your website and your phone number again real quick there, Donna. Yeah, it's www.thegateway4change.com. And it's there you can find my phone number, Twitter, Facebook, and my radio shows. I mean, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. I appreciate it. And give my best and, and hug your sweet, adorable wife. She is wonderful, and I love the work that she is doing as well. Thank you both. Thank you so much, and we'll be in touch again soon. Alrighty. Look forward to that. Now, that was Donna Schmidt, and a wonderful lady in the work that she's doing. Let us give you quickly our few announcements. We have developed a new website called the worldofempowerment.com, worldofempowerment, all one word, .com. And if you go there, you can sign up and get details of the wonderful work that we're putting out for people, much of it for free, some of it paid, of course, because there's costs involved in all of this. Also get hold of Angel Rose's book, A Time of Change. You'll find that at atimeofchange.info. You'll also be able to pre-order her next book, The Nature of Reality, at thenatureofreality.info. Group Akashic Records every Wednesday evening in San Diego. And we're also on iTunes. And do opt in for uh, Angel Rose's work at either angelrose.com or worldofempowerment.com. We want to say thank you for listening today. We had a wonderful interview there with Donna Schmidt at thegatewayforchange.com. And we look forward to speaking to you next week with love, blessings, and thank you for listening to Ahanu and Angel Rose on the Honest to God series. This is the Art of Living Well Radio Network. Radio to inspire enlightened living. The Honest to God series with Anne Gail Rose and Ahanu.